0: provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite obstacle course racing but before I get started I want to give a shout out to human octane if you're the kind of person who pushes the limit then you've got to check out human octane apparel training and racing apparel designed by OCR athletes and these guys just get it everything they make dries lightning fast has zippered pockets Is abrasion resistant in high contact areas without bulky padding? I've gotten to know these guys, and trust me, they're going to out-innovate the competition when it comes to OCR gear. Check them out at humanoctane.com. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Good morning, everyone. It is another beautiful Friday morning here in Southern California. Got a great show in store for you. I've got Dr. Nicholas Romanoff the creator of The Pose Method, on the show with us today live. And he is calling in from, I believe, University of Princeton. He's doing a presentation there, as I understand it. Uh, Before we get started in the show, a couple things I want to run by you. Just number one, if you've not already subscribed to our show, I highly recommend you do. And if you have any questions for me, for uh, advice on what you think we ought to be doing, who we might talk to on the show, don't be afraid to reach out to me. You can find me on my website, which is diazhumanperformance.com, D-I-A-Z, humanperformance.com. You'd be surprised. I'm very approachable. I'm happy to talk to you. So with no further ado, let me get a live mic on Dr. Romanoff right now. Good morning, Buenos Dr. Romanoff.
1: Buenos dias, señor Dias. <laughs> Como estas? Uh, Muy um, bien.
0: You know, you have been around the world, so I'm assuming that you're more than capable of speaking multiple languages.
1: <laughs> it's not much true, but uh, I do know some phrases, of course. Um. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Romanoff, I have been personally following your work for quite some time. And uh, I have visited your website, I have probably read the majority of the articles that you've posted, I've probably reviewed the majority of the little video clips that you've offered up on your website, and I'm a very curious student of the art of running. So, uh, you know, this is really an honor for me to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you for inviting me as well.
0: Oh, no, please, It's, it's, it's great to have you. But uh, so I, I have a, I mean, I have so many things I want to ask you, but f- uh, I guess the thing that strikes me most interesting is that I was paying attention to your work in the early 2000s, And I think right around the time that you released your first book, uh, The Pose Method of Running, which I believe you published in 2002. Okay. So I was probably right on top of that release. But I would think that you probably met with a lot of pushback at that time, because the world at large, the running community, for the most part, were all heel strikers at that point in time. Is that true?
1: Oh, quite <laughs>
0: true. And so, you know, they're looking at your book and going, what is this guy talking about? You know, this has got to be crazy. How can you possibly? This is this is not right. You know, we're supposed to run our heels. Look at the way my shoe is designed. It's correct. Uh, so, I'm assuming that, you know, again, you 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 probably had a wade through a lot of disbelievers and then Born to Run was released and it's like an epiphany. Everybody all of a sudden was like, "Oh, well jeez, look at that. That makes perfect sense." And you must have been thinking, "Well, yeah, I've been trying to tell you this for how many years now?"
1: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like that.
0: So, it must have been uh, it must have been quite a a quite of, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, a, a bump in your resurgency when when they released that whole thing, and Dr. Daniel Lieberman came out with his findings on the benefits of running off the forefoot versus the heel strike. I bet you just sat back and just, I don't know, I, I, you probably toasted them, haven't you? And <laughs> uh,
1: first of all, I was um, uh, quite relieved uh, that uh, there are people who do understand the the essence of these things and uh, who uh, uh, unintentionally support me. Even um, uh, Chris McDougall was uh, the one guy who interviewed me, and he's a very prolific um, journalist and very good interviewer. Um, It was uh, very much... uh, Helpful to me, I understand the other point of view. Because while he was talking to me about these problems, I I got a more clear idea why people are resisting. Even I did knew I knew about this before, but it became clear that society, while it's evolving around some kind of problems, they set up mind uh, as uh, somebody. Um, who is a believer, you know, and running community becomes that kind of believer, you know, because uh, who set up this mind was, uh, uh, unfortunately, he was a very great man and a very incredible uh, in- entrepreneur. It was Bill Bauman. Yes. And before that, heel striking was not the issue at all. I, I yes. do understand, I, and I know this because I I am from that era, and in my time, yes. Oh, thank you. So, <laughs> a contemporary guy. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was never an issue, but more than this, in, in um, after Second World War, uh, American uh, great runner promoter of running. Uh, development and uh, writer Fred Weill uh, d- d- doing interview with um, uh... Finn coaches, uh, it's a Finnish coach. Uh, how it would be properly to say the Finn coaches in 1949. You understand it's like goes back. And, uh... he asked how you run, and he asked uh, uh, about heel striking. They were laughing and, and telling him. Why are you Americans um, thinking that we are landing on the hill? It's completely controversial uh, to what uh, uh, running is supposed to be. we land on the forefoot, foot, and then after that, our heels could touch the ground, but not vice versa. It, you understand? It was 1949. It, it's uh, This dialogue uh, uh, and conversation with these coaches was described in the book um, of um, Kenneth uh Dr. Tip it, it's a uh, national team coach uh, and the author of the very famous book Modern Track and Field the, in 1957 uh, I, do, I do remember you know so right. uh the issue with uh, heel striking become uh <laughs> issue after Uh, running boom started and who was ahead of these things it was Bill Bauman who created uh, co-creator of Nike and he was developing these shoes (coughs) waffle shoes uh, with a wedge outer sole Uh, and this is what become a problem because his idea was to increase stride length for runners to run faster and for this yes. matter, they're supposed to uh, in, uh, to increase stride length. They have to um, oh, stride out. You know, leg should go ahead and land way ahead of the body. And while you're doing this, you can only land on the hill. Right. And this is problem when it started. And then injuries are the consequence of all of these things came up. In seventies, it was very clear that something wrong going on there.
0: Right. You know, I I I absolutely am with you on all of this because I I I definitely chased this down myself. I've been doing a lot of research, and I was looking for the culprit behind this this whole travesty of heel striking that we have been experiencing for the past thirty some odd years. And I, uh, fortunately, in the position I'm in with uh, the show that I do, I've had the fortune of interviewing some great runners of our time and i'm saying yours and my time you know back in the early 70s uh what one being craig virgin who was the american record holder for the 10 kilometers for 24 years and one of the questions that i asked craig and it was just a curiosity given that he's old school was you know did he ever heel strike and he lit up. He just he just said, you know, the, this whole development of this heel on a shoe, landing on your heel is ridiculous. Because most runners back then really did not ever ponder the idea of landing on the heel. But when Bowerman created this target by creating this pronounced heel, based on what you had suggested was the thought of overstriding in order to create a better stride To move faster, which it's it's absolutely contrary to physics, Uh, but because of the success he had with his original shoes, the Tiger, I think it was, that every manufacturer, Tiger, it was
1: not his shoes. It's uh, Asics uh, of former, I mean the present time Asics. uh, It's a Japanese shoe production uh, um, uh, manufacturing.
0: Right. Well, I, I knew it was, I but didn't but he? But they initial, selling
1: these shoes by that time.
0: Right. But his initial shoe that he created was not uh, a heavy-soled heel. It was just, he just created a, 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 essentially a flat shoe with a waffle rubber sole underneath it, correct?
1: It's correct, yes.
0: Yeah. But then, you know, he, he delved off into developing this new shoe and basically was the founder of the running shoe industry, I believe. And everybody, Asics and the rest. Mm,
1: I, w- I wouldn't say this. before him already Reebok existed, you know uh, Adidas existed um, and Tiger as well, you know. But uh, uh, how they brought up shoes, um, uh, um, running shoes particularly, into the field it was uh, revolutionary, you know.
0: Right.
1: Th- that's why Nike became Nike.
0: Well, I thought that again. You're you're you know you're there. You've been there. You know this. So, you know, I stand corrected. But what what I'm asking is he, he was the first person to create a heavy-soled or more pronounced heel it's on a correct. running shoe. And yeah. then from that, it basically revolutionized the industry because everybody felt that if they did not also have one of these shoes, that they'd be running behind, so to speak
1: yeah it was an attractive idea but a deceptive idea the, right. which attracted lots of people because it was so easy to think that you just put this kind of uh, cushioning heel uh, under your foot and the problems will be solved but they never solved i just came from calgary conference what was devoted to the Ben-Nig, um um 70 years old um, birthday and his retirement and he is one of the leading guys in the shoe industry in the um, uh, uh, sport uh, shoe industry and uh, researcher and uh, his conclusion after so many years he did this keynote um, lecture for us and he came to the conclusion that uh, actually everything what we were talking about shoe. <laughs> It was a wrong assumption. Shoes should be just a comfortable, not anything else. They do not protect us from injury. They are only protect from the outside hazards. Uh, that's it. This is what only should does.
0: Right. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh, another person I've interviewed recently that um, you know obviously is a little younger and, and uh, innovative is um, a physical therapist by the name of Jay Desherry written a very uh, incredible book, I think, called The Anatomy of Runners. And uh, in his book, he eloquently stated that a running shoe should never be responsible for motion control, stability, impact absorption. He says those are the responsibilities of the foot. Would you agree with that?
1: Well, it coincides with with everything what i have been talking all previous years i never believed yeah. in the motion control because it's you should be completely insane thinking that your 100 billion <laughs> uh, cells in your brain uh, divine product of nature uh, cannot control motion <laughs> and shoe which you are wearing <laughs> on the bottom of your <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, body and your feet would control the, your motion. It's insane, you know. At, right. at least.
0: <laughs> so I have to ask you, and I, and I hadn't hoped to, to to bridge this this uh, question just yet. But since we're on the topic of shoes, I have to ask you, and I'm sure that I'm sure that this is interesting for you as it is, has has been for me. My observation, and I have to tell you that back in the day, back in the '70s, '80s, uh, when I was very active as a runner. I was a heel striker, and because I came up with a newfangled you know Nike airbag shoe and blah blah blah. But you know, running marathons, and I'm a big guy. I mean, I you know, even in the best of shape, i'm I'm right at about two hundred pounds. And right. well, I was killing myself. I mean, i I mean, literally, When I got up to, and my revelation back then was in order for me to uh, finish these events faster, I needed to put in more work, more mileage. And the more mileage I put in, the more stress my body took because I was a heel striker. Mm -hmm. But, of course, I didn't know that I was wrong back then. So I had, you know, eventually I'm one of these guys that had the epiphany and I came to realize the folly behind, you know, the the concept of this heel striking. It's it's just... uh, 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 it's contrary to physics. So, but anyway, so I, I, I'm I'm a newbie. I, I'm not I'm not the guy that figured this out back in the 70s like you did. Um, but so here's my question: I was very pleased when I saw the industry take a turn away from these heavy soled shoes and start to find more minimalist designs. And you know, some of them better than others, and some of them you know chasing trends and trying to create trends. But at the end of the day, the shoes became lower to the ground and less cushion involved, lighter, and I was very pleased to see that. And then it seems like, and it's been now, I would say, about a year, that they're turning back the other way now. They're going back to these very heavily cushioned shoes, and you know of who I speak. I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but you know what I'm talking about.
1: Yes, I do.
0: Oh and my God! I mean, I have people coming to me that are going, "Oh yeah, you know, this shoe saved my life." And I use the analogy on this show with with uh, uh, a podiatrist that I that I'm very fond of, uh, where once upon a time there was a there was an uh, uh, a commercial that was produced by Audi, the German uh, automobile manufacturer, and they were combating the safety principles of Volvo. And so what they did is they demonstrated this Volvo going across the desert and smashing headlong into a brick wall. And they were talking about all the benefits and safety features that the Volvo had that would help to protect the person in the car. And then they showed the Audi going headlong towards the wall and then quickly going around the wall. And the idea is one being passive safety, what What happens in the vehicle to protect you from injury, and then active safety is what you can do to avoid injury altogether. So I look at that in correlation with the shoe industry. When we run properly, we avoid injury. To depend on the shoe to protect us from injury is really kind of ridiculous, and I I just really wish that people would get that and not be lazy. So anyway, so you're feeling this kin this kindredship we have going here. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> now now that things are turning and people are beginning to pay attention to what you've been saying for so many years, how are things going? I I, I know you released this new book which I've just read and I, I thought it was very impressive. It, I would imagine that you're you're seeing a lot more interest from your audience.
1: Yes, I do, <clears throat> but. Um... Uh, the topic what you right now introduced about this historical development <coughs> and mindset of people, um, it's um, a trivial part of what we're talking. You see, uh, people's minds is developed in very simple way. They would like to have more cushioning in life, not about shoes. <laughs> it's in life, you know. And... Uh, oh, they don't want uh, related these uh, things with the skill development, uh, rather than put cushioning, you know, in different way. This is what alternative which uh, we are uh, having in life as a dilemma always. Um, what life is is developing skill and live a secure life by developing skill or developing cushioning for your life, protections and this is what people choosing easy way of cushioning um instead developing skill unfortunately um it's related with uh, uh human side which uh, is laziness and uh, n- n- not a responsibility for themselves you know they want to do something or somebody will be responsible for them so shoe are responsible for their injury I am responsible for my injury, and I have to do anything to avoid these injuries. Like on this Audi, I have to get around and develop my skill of driving, rather than put. Uh, I shouldn't drive on the tank uh, uh, to be safe, you know. Right. I have to be a skillful driver first. Uh, right. This is my assumption about these things, and I always uh, telling these things. Uh, and shoes are. Uh, shoes don't matter. It's all about technique.
0: So l- let's go back to the '70s when you were when you were developing these theories. Um, what was the what was the key difference in what you were trying to um, uh, develop in, in theory relative to what was going on? Because as you suggested, uh, essentially in in the European uh, uh, part of the world just to go there for a moment is is most runners were on their midfoot or forefoot to begin with is it the biggest difference is that you're, you're uh um, drawing in the influences of gravity uh as it relates to the way we run is that is that the biggest change in theory that you were looking at
1: uh, um it's a very deep question you know um i'm trying to figure out how to give you a short answer on this uh, first of all, I, as a young teacher, I realized that there is no method of teaching, you know. Uh, the second one, is, was um, realization was uh, there was no concept uh, and model of uh, running technique. And uh, b- besides the um, post-concept and post-model, until now, it, there is no such a thing still, you know. And uh, the absence of these things was... Uh, biggest motivation for me because uh, as a teacher I was uh, very uh, disappointed that I had no effective way to teach my students uh, just simple things like running and uh, another thing was uh, that um, at that time running paradigm uh, and I wouldn't say concept but uh, probably yes it was built up on uh, Push off concept. You know, this is a very popular thing. And um, the main uh, uh, thing inside that paradigm was uh, activity, muscular activity, and particularly legs extension activity. Means all your joints, um, ankle, knee, and hip, supposed to be active and extend in order to propel you forward. This was the biggest. uh, detour, I would say, or the wrong direction uh, because when I started studying this um, um, problem, I found the um, first uh, small uh, finding from different researchers um, that uh, thing like push-off doesn't exist actually, you know, and people do not uh, do that activity of extending to run faster, and when this data came up, I understood that something else is supposed to be moving us forward, because um, description of running as effortless uh, it, when it goes to elite runners—that uh, 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 it's a, what good running is, effortless, um, um, very short on support, smooth, uh, and uh, what else? <laughs> uh, and um, The main thing is effortless, uh, you know, but the question is like where effortless coming from because physics operate with uh, forces So some force create uh, created outside supposed to help us to make uh, our muscles work less and that is how effortless coming, you know And uh, when I start digging this um, direction and the very helpful uh, research was done in Soviet Union by Nikolai Bernstein. He described this kind of ef- effective and economical movements as movements which build by implementing external forces and with less muscular uh, implementation. Then I start looking for what kind of forces could be implemented in the help muscles. Work less, you know, and gravity obviously came up as uh, logical sequences of this uh, thinking in this direction And after that, only uh, how that process is getting um, into the running cycle And that was, pose came, you know Pose basically is the position of the body um, most favorable to use gravitational torque, not gravity but gravitational torque and um, I look at the body as a, uh, a leverage system or rod system where force applied to that leverage to uh, move around pivotal point, and this is what how Poe's method uh, evolved and uh, in the present time you have Three major elements, pose, fall, pull, where pose at the position from which you're falling, and the fall it's a rotational movement during which gravitational torque developing, not muscles, gravitational torque is developing that speed moving horizontally, and pull it's moving your foot from the ground when fall is ended. This cycle is <laughs> running, actually. So Mm -hmm. I have a
0: question, if I could slow you down for one second on that note, because this is actually the burning question I've had for you forever, okay? Mm -hmm. Because I agree with everything you say, and, and, and the one thing that I'm stuck on is, number one, I agree that gravity should be the motivating force to push your body through space. Number two, I realize that leverage in falling is critical in order to get into a position that allows gravity to do its job. And obviously what what we want to do is we do not want to make contact with the ground ahead of our body because we're more stable and more capable of producing um, this, this cycle of work when we land under center of mass. I don't understand the concept of pulling the heel up under the hip during the, the gait cycle. I do understand that there's an opportunity that exists from eccentric energy when we momentarily load our cap and Achilles as we make contact with the ground, which provides us with some, some uh, elastic recoil and that can assist us in our forward movement. But I didn't understand when you talk about looking for effortless movement why, then, would you suggest to raise the heel or engage the hamstring to raise the heel?
1: Oh, um, <laughs> it's good. It's easy to answer, but it's a little bit... uh long, long answer will be... First of all, um, I'm not denying and never denied um, uh elasticity forces, you know, which exist, uh, and uh, we're in the full range using them, you know. Uh, the pulling actually... Not uh, so much uh, appealing to hamstring, you know, hamstring will work you want or you don't want. When you're bending your uh, knee, hamstring is working. Uh, You don't need to tell hamstring anything. If I mention hamstring work for this matter, it was the reason only one. Uh, to shift uh, people's mind, uh, runner's mind, from that extension and using quads to do this work, you know, of, uh, extension. And plus uh, to use quads and hip flexors to move leg forward, you know. It's only one reason. Because in pose uh, concept, we we don't need to uh, emphasize this thing so much, you know. It, it was just necessary evil which we involved to uh, make a contrast between what it was and what we are moving. At the end of the day, pulling, it's just a direction of the foot coming under the hip into the pose position because pulling, it's a function only for one single thing, to recover the pose, you know. And pulling happened over there together with elastic component and directing the foot under the, it's not all the way, it never will be, it never w- was. It's only just uh, momentarily uh, directing foot going under the hip into the pose position. It's a very small amount of effort, actually, uh, to bring uh, that foot to the place where it's supposed to be. And. Okay. Uh, and nothing to appeal to hamsing for this matter actually you know because pose is more important than hamsing's work you know and i always was against any kind of involvement of mind uh, our conscience into any regulations of any muscles you know because it's not our business and we cannot do this effectively at all hamsing came only to shift our attention you, you see, in the yeah. controversy to what it was in heel striking,
0: right? And I, now I understand, and I and I, I feel better about this because in, in, in my in my day to day, I work with uh, runners myself, and sometimes my cueing methods would be uh, uh, if you if an outside observer listening to what I'm saying, it might sound contrary to what I should be achieving, but the perception that people have when they move sometimes is very difficult and in your book you talk about this because what we think we're doing and what we're actually doing sometimes is very very different. So I may uh, suggest to someone to do one thing because I know that by saying what I said to them it would cue them where I need them to be where in fact what I asked them to do specifically was incorrect. Does that make any sense? Uh, So for example (laughs) I, I might tell someone to run on their toes and the reason I tell them to run on their toes is because their perception is that when they think they're on their their forefoot, in fact they're still on their heel. So
1: I, yes, it's I am um, not uh, in um, into this uh, because. Um, perception its a very important thing and sometimes uh, I guess you, you can use a controversial thing uh, and put uh, people um, over range what it's supposed to be to make proper movement it's happened uh, in many and uh, many times uh, with coaches they use this in practice uh, but uh, telling uh, that on the toes nobody can be on the toes you know toes anatomically design for no, regulation of the balance but not holding body weight you know right.
0: No, I, I totally um, understand
1: yeah. and then the, the notion of the forefoot midfoot and heel striking it's very arbitrary in our field and the if you look in the, any anatomy textbooks, you know it's very clear what is mid, midfoot. It, it's a five tarsalus bones, n- not anything else. Uh, For a foot, uh, actually, it's a phalanges, uh, five phalangus and plus toes. Uh, uh, and why people, uh, until now, um, referring uh, to the midfoot, I don't know because um, I, I fall into the, in my first book. I fall. Uh, I've, I fall into the, that mistake as well until I um, look at this English version of these things and I understood that it was a r- wrong. Um, uh, <coughs> uh, direction was uh, given for people. I, I don't know where it's coming from, but uh, we have to correct all together, you know, and mm-hmm. um, understand that people could be only either on the heels or on the forefoot. Uh, midfoot. It's an arch, you know, and you cannot be on the arch. Right. So well,
0: yeah, your contact point is going to be awfully funny when you do anyway, because you're going to be bouncing straight up and down
1: or landing like, hard. Uh, mathematically, of course, we can say that at, at this point, when point of support heel and forefoot, your body weight could be in the middle on uh, on uh, midfoot, but but in the running, it would never happen this way, really, you know, practically, you see. So that's why I'm not in the favor of any kind of mid-foot things, you know. Right. Um, I am only for a foot, and you can touch with the heel, and this is what we have to define. The, uh, and so the,
0: let me ask you this. In the course of the gait cycle when you're running, and obviously we're making contact forefoot first, uh, do, you, do you recommend to your students that, that as part of this gait cycle, they allow their heel to make contact with the ground, or do you look at that as not that important? To me, I would think, and this is just you know a lay coach, let's call it. I think that in order to really draw the, the premium benefits of eccentric recoil, that this settling of the heel to the ground is an important aspect
1: um there is no controversy actually you know uh, uh unless um body weight was put uh, on the hill uh, then touching hill with uh, uh, uh touching hill to the ground it's not the crime you know this is what uh, i consider and uh, again the recoiling effect uh, should be considered as a very important part you know and uh... As long these kind of things are together, then there is no crime to touch uh, by hill ground. Okay. This is what all coaches whom I work in my time were okay. You know, <laughs> even they didn't know the intricacy of. Uh, 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 technique, but they had no controversy with the heel touching ground while you on the forefoot with your body weight. This is the point I am trying to yeah, express. Yes.
0: Right. So, but what what I found is is this shift occurred, this this revelation in in the whole running uh, industry occurred uh, following McDougall's book, you know, and then they, uh, the the Vibram Five Finger shoes were were a really big hit. In my place, when I have people that would come to me, it used to be all the heel strikers would come with injuries, and we, we, we try to uh, direct them to a better landing and to mitigate some of these injuries. But then the new guard of injuries started to appear where we're seeing uh, uh, metatarsal stress syndrome, plantar fasciitis, things like this, because these people evolved away from a very cushy shoe to this very minimal five-finger five setup, and they're consideration of trying to get on their midfoot, they would use more of a sprinter's technique in their running where they never allow their heel to get anywhere near the ground and put a tremendous amount of stress on their calf, Achilles, and then their um, their metatarsals, and they would, they would evolve into the opposing set of injuries. So I guess where I'm going with this is that I've always found that encouraging people to allow that, that light down, to let that heel touch... Is easier on the body. Would you agree with that?
1: Well, nothing (laughs) I could be (laughs) against this. But the main point is why people in five fingers vibrams and all these uh, minimalistic shoes were injured. It it was uh, the absence, another major element. besides that they were not prepared to be on the forefoot because it requires transition to that kind of um, uh, body weight uh, loading, you know, because if you never in your life had body weight on the forefoot and then suddenly you start pulling, of course your body will be screaming from pain. But another thing is uh, again goes to the technique. Um, It's done research by uh martin shorten it's a Nike guy. Uh, he filmed uh, two million uh, runners in different marathons, you know, and uh then they ask people how they are running and the uh, The funny thing of that is uh, that people who consider themselves four or runners actually were heel strikers uh, running in vibrams uh, uh running in five um, uh, five fingers you, you understand it's a lack yes. of perception completely lack of perception. They right. had no idea that what they are doing, you know, and right. uh, uh, while they are doing these things, they still continue landing ahead of the body uh, even people who were on the far foot strike, they were landing ahead. We've done research with Tim noakes in Cape Town University in two thousand two in two thousand four we published an article in american in college of sports medicine uh, it was a uh, 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 pose method reducing uh, uh, knee loading, eccentric uh, knee loading article. It's quite quoted article uh, in our field. And uh, I did work on this thing. What we found, in the, our all participants, we just took uh, all shoes off, you know, and all of us, all the three groups, uh, four foot heel strikers and pose runners, were barefoot. And we found the same thing. No matter of uh, barefoot running, uh, uh, four foot runners and the heel strikers had incredible loading uh, uh, on the legs and particularly on the knee, while pose runners had 50% reduction of the knee loading. This is a fact by itself, is telling where the problem is laying. So uh, we're coming back to the same point. Technique is more important than shoes, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> and this is what Benenik came, Professor ben and Nick came to conclusion after all his life in this uh, sports shoe industry, researching all these things. You know, one of the topest guy in this field. He told, shoes is not related with injuries. Shoes right. are just for the comfort for the runner, you know. And what we have trend right now with uh, coming back with uh, thick soles shoes, it's um, again coming back to security. People would like to have security cushioning. So we have no hope of reduction uh, problems, uh, injuries in running, as as long as people will be relying again on the shoes, you know.
0: Right. So, just just to be clear on this point, and, uh, you know, for, for a matter of a record while I have you on the line here, would you agree that by sticking this tremendous amount of soft material beneath your foot, that would not really mitigate the potential for injury?
1: Of course not. Uh, All right. It, I just, you know, it, just for, just for, for, just for the, <laughs> the audience. Just for the yeah. audience's sake. Uh, you know, I, I'll give that, you an example. Uh, <laughs> Um, Richard, if you're driving very expensive car, Ferrari, instead of Chevrolet, does it mean that you will be more safe in, in, in your driving, or you will be relying on your driving skills on that matter? Right.
0: Well, again, I, 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 I absolutely agree with you. I just love to hear you say it because, uh, you know, I run into it all the time. And, and uh, I've had people... You know, send me these shoes, and they're oh, you got to try these, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, what about all the afferent information we're supposed to be trying to obtain from the ground? And don't we muddy that information by putting all that material between us and the ground? And because that seems to just just go against uh, the whole concept here. And uh, and so whatever. I, I just enjoy hearing you say it. So I got right. another question for you, a little bit off topic, but in the same grain.
1: I was talking about things, ladies. <laughs>
0: yeah, and all the things, all the things that I've I've read uh, of yours, uh, or video, uh, watched videos of yours. You never talk about metabolic consequence of work. I mean, you don't talk about heart rate. Do you have any feelings about heart rate, or is it just something that that's just you you know you don't you feel like that's outside the scope of what you're trying to do? Or, to explain to me what what that's all about.
1: If you are not falling in love, everything okay with heart rate. <laughs> 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 no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that. Of course, okay. it's important, uh, Richard. There is no question, as uh, or like a doubt, uh, that it's very important. And there are tremendous amount of research done in this uh, direction. And um, um, since uh, work, um, it's the first science work basically in in the heart physiology from 50s from uh, Gershler and Randall um, uh, to um, uh, uh, German scientists from Freiburg University who developed interval training system uh, where they devoted this to workouts design which increased uh, um, strength of the heart uh, it, everyone understood that it's an important topic and we have to follow and then Heart Monitor uh, when they came up uh, for the use we saw so, so much benefits of these things. And then the A2Max con- um, uh, concept uh, with uh, uh, um, anaerobic um, threshold concept came up uh, and implemented into these things. All this together gave us uh, incredible good information of um, uh, what it's supposed to be. And obviously it uh, g- gave us to age um, of which level of intensity on your metabolic uh, systems we have to work on, you know. And people usually overdo these things. One of the biggest problems in endurance sports is that people overdo, overtrain, and the most uh, overdo it goes exactly on the cardiorespiratory system. And this is what we have to be very clear: where the edge of that kind of load we have to go and what we should not do yeah
0: good so I I, I, again you've 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 made my day so uh, you know because I I, have you know I've been involved in uh, clinical diagnostics of uh, heart rate response for training for the past 18 years and I'm very much an advocate but um, so I wanted to hear it from you and I'm glad you did that now I have your son is uh, on the other line and, uh, again, this is interesting for me. You know, I know that you're, you you guys are doing some work with the, the U S army and, uh, he's going to help shed some light on that. And I should, I should share with you. My son is also in the army and, uh, at this very moment and has been serving proudly for the past six years and he's involved in special ops. And, and, uh, so, um, and quite frankly, uh, I'd love to be spend more time with him, helping him run better. But let's get your son on the line. I want to I hear what he's got to say.
2: Okay. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Richard. How are you?
0: I'm doing tremendous. So sh- shed some light on some of the work you guys are doing with the Army and, and their physical therapy.
2: Sure, sure. So we started our work with the U.S. military in uh, 2008. was the first time we were involved at uh, the basic training level. Uh, we went and started our work at TRADOC, so uh, Training and Doctrine Command. We started working um, at Fort Sill, Fort Leonard Wood. We've been almost everywhere in the continental United States, uh, Fort Benning, Fort Bragg, Fort Drum, uh, West Point. So we've had a great experience working with everyone from Special Forces to you know, entry-level recruits and uh, working with drill sergeants in between. And it all came about from a study that was done internally, and I believe it was Dr. Uh, Joseph Knapik who did a study that the U.S. military is spending something around $300 million a year in lost duty time from running-related injuries. And so this isn't combat wounds, this isn't anything but running-related injuries through basic training. And so they basically saw a big gap. Uh, Lots of recruits were getting injured, and it was costing the military a lot of money. And so they started to be proactive, surprisingly, right? A large organization like this started to get really proactive about these things. And so over the years, uh, our first experience with Fort Sill working with uh, Major Charles Blake uh, was that we went out there and certified about 20 or 30 uh, drill instructors in 2008. And the following year at Fort Sill, they had the lowest injury rate in the entire army uh, in basic training. And so those results kind of catapulted things to where they are today. And so now the pose method has been officially um, indoctrinated in a way because it's now part of the internal initiative called uh, the Master Fitness Trainer Course, which is being taught around the world to specific candidates who want to become masters of fitness that's that's being taught around the world by a group of civilians it's not even directly um, involving us anymore they are teaching the pose method to others and it's it's having tremendous results the feedback is fantastic and uh, the US Army now officially uh, has pose method by name as their uh, standard of choice It's, it's just a fantastic success we've had and the feedback has been tremendous and all the things that we learned working with those large groups of people, uh, helping them run with combat boots, helping them pass their basic training tests, uh, all of those things basically have been put into this book. So all the things we've learned uh, working with large organizations now are in the book. And it's so that's what we feel is the key about the running revolution. People are more curious than ever uh, about learning how to run, about... Uh, you know, finding a better way to do things about being more efficient, and you know, and and it's we're looking to satisfy their curiosity, and uh, right. we, we're trying to do so in an easy to understand manner as possible, and which is why we also created a video series to go along with the Running Revolution, and that's easily found at YouTube.com forward slash Learn How to Run.
0: Yep. Cool. Now I'm, I'm actually looking at the book right now. I, I read it prior to our, our conversation, and uh, it's a good piece of work. I, I, I uh, the Running Revolution. Uh, Is it been released yet? Is it out?
2: No, uh, the book will be released September 30th in bookstores okay. everywhere.
0: Okay, so it's coming up in the next couple of days. Yeah, so it's a it's a good piece. And, and listen, I get I read a lot of this kind of thing. And, again, I've, I read the initial book, and this is far and away better, obviously, than the first, and that's, I guess that's evolution, right? But uh, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that you guys are involved in helping the troops improve their, their training and minimize their injuries. I mean, they've got enough to contend with. I, I know that uh, my son has always struggled with his running, and I shouldn't say this because I'm sure in your case it's different, but it's really hard to teach your son. You know, he's got to learn from somebody else.
2: <laughs> I would say case, that still holds true, even for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I, I've been preaching to him forever. You know, and and uh, even in shoe selection, when you know what what gets popular, and I'm trying to convince him that for all the reasons we've been discussing, what he ought to be doing. But anyway, for whatever it's worth, I hope he has a chance to listen to this because it'll be it'll be good for him. Geez, what else do we have here? Um, what what's uh. What's what's on, new new on your plate? What you guys aside from the work you're doing at the very moment? What's big in the next uh, six months for you guys?
2: Well, aside from Dr. Romanov's book tour, I would say, uh, which will be all around the United States, uh, that's that's going to preoccupy the next uh, month and a half for us. We're going to be uh, doing a lot of uh, shows nationwide. Uh, we're going to be meeting uh, runners around the U.S. and uh, you can probably find our schedule on our website. But beyond that, um, honestly, the first part of next year, is a big focus of ours is going to be working uh, with physical therapists. So the physical therapy community has loved what we've been doing for the last six or seven years, and, and it's kind of naturally progressed to that. And, and, you know, it's nothing that we even tried to facilitate. It's, it's very fascinating how these things kind of just work out this way. And so given that pose method is so scientifically based, I think – our programs appeal to physical therapists, and so what what ended up happening is uh, the work that we've been doing and the science studies and things like that, and now that our certification courses also have CEUs for uh, physical therapists, for athletic trainers, so now that we have all those things in place, uh, we just have such tremendous interest uh, from PTs looking to uh, identify injuries before their clients get injured, and, and specifically we're working with a group in the Midwest um, called Accelerated Rehab, and we'll be working with them in Chicago in the next week or so. And they have over 300 locations in the Midwest. They have over 1,200 physical therapists, and they are, they are just loving what they've seen on the initial tests. We've been working with them for about a year now, and they love what they're seeing. Uh, they're, their physical therapists are able to put on classes. It's a very uh, a progressive program can you imagine going to a physical therapist before you have a problem you're actually going there <laughs> to make sure you don't get injured it's, it's a it's a phenomenal uh, uh, idea and I'm you know I'm very glad that uh, we have such an impact on PTs and the reality is um, now that these programs are being started um, it kind of it's it's a resource for people because before where would you be able to turn to you know if you go to the local store uh, whether that's a shoe store a lot of times those sales clerks are not really doing in depth video analysis these these are usually you know just surface level hey you know your gate looks like this and uh, hope you do this and maybe buy this shoe now you're having a physical therapist and there is an inherent trust there these people know anatomy they know your skeletal structure. They're going to evaluate you not only from a biomechanics standpoint, but they're also going to make sure you're not even injured to begin with. So it's just it's a phenomenal thing that's happening, and and that's going to be a huge focus for us next year.
0: Yeah, I could tell you that that one of the things that I've done over the past six or seven years is provide gait evaluations for runners, and commonly the way this all comes about is through injury. They seek me out because they're frustrated with the type of Uh, interventions that they've been facing. So, for example, the cycle would be overuse injury, knee problem, shin, back, whatever it might be, see the doctor, doctor sends you to physical therapy, the modalities that they use to reduce the inflammation, get rid of the pain, put you back on the road, make the mistakes again. I know you know this, right? So we have been very successful in helping people to change the way they approach their running so that They don't reoccur these injuries and uh, so you guys are obviously on a greater scale much broader scale and I I applaud you for the work you're doing because it's important and I think it's also important that in the in this cycle that we find a way to bridge the gap through the, the the medical community the the physicians the orthopods and what have you where they rather than just refer you straight away to a physical therapist at least refer you to someone that can identify specifically what is causing the injury, so that you can get a you know get a handle on the solution, rather than just going through all this pain relief. Would you agree with that?
2: Absolutely, a hundred percent. And I think yeah. and I think I'll let Dr. Romanov you know touch on some of those things to finish things off. But one thing I wanted to mention, Richard, is I think the fascinating thing that, the thing that really you know, was the home run for me many years ago when when all of this finally settled in my head and uh, I began to work with my father full-time, is essentially I understood that the pose method at its essence is not an opinion. It, and that's what, and it just struck, when it struck me, I really, it really hit home. It's not an opinion. Dr. Romanov analyzed thousands and thousands of runners, and what he did was, not look for the differences in their running what he did was try to find what we all do the same so the truth is all of your listeners everyone you could ever see running has the elements that dr romanov describes everyone will go through the pose position everyone will fall forward and everyone will pull their foot from the ground now there are other elements you can add on top of that that'll make you less efficient that'll maybe overwork certain muscle groups more than others but you can't avoid doing those three things and i think that's why the medical community has supported us so much because this isn't a guru and his opinion this is a research scientist top of the world working with elite teams and olympic level uh... organizations all the time and what he teaches is what happens in running at the very essence only the elements and nothing more and so if you do those three things which you already do and cut out the extra things, you will be running the most efficient way possible. And that's what the pose method is. And I think I think that's what is the key uh, for listeners to understand. It's, it's going to be a, a phenomenal experience for them to go through the book, to go through the 10 master classes, to look at the photos, and to look through the video series that we've developed if you're a visual learner. So I think that's what really hits home. And, I'll let Dr. Romanov uh, finish off with, with his thoughts on, uh, on your question.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for that
1: comment.
2: Thank you, Richard. Yes. Um,
1: I have nothing to add to what <laughs> I, you know, already told. <laughs> it's quite fulfilling every single thing <laughs> what you could say. I would, I would only say that I'm happy that somebody uh, so well understood and brought up to people in a very clear way <laughs> what I would be mumbling and rumbling around one hour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, okay, so here's a, here's an easy question for you. When will you be in Southern California?
1: Yeah, we will be uh, in the beginning of October. Uh, we, we have, uh, from October 1st, probably, we will be in South California.
0: If you are you know, you know, in,
1: know, inviting me again, I will come over. <laughs>
0: yeah, well I think I think we should I think we should at least uh uh meet. I'd love to meet you and, and meet your son and, and you oh, know share some thoughts.
1: It would be my pleasure.
0: Okay, let's, well um,
1: and...
0: let's make a point to uh to uh, uh have your, your people give me a communique, let me know where you are, and let's see if we can't make that happen.
1: Sure, absolutely but, we will communicate. Okay, so with
0: you. Yeah, listen, uh, Dr. Romanoff and, uh, um, is it Severin?
2: Yes, Severin.
0: I I just want to make sure I pronounce it properly. I enjoyed both of you guys coming on. I I think you're doing great work. And I highly recommend the book. It's The Running Revolution. It'll be out September 30th. I'm sure you can find it most everywhere. And uh, I hope people uh, gathered some information from this that's going to keep them from, you know, the travesty of, of pushing themselves into their heels and jacking themselves up over and over while they're trying to enjoy their running. So, look, you guys have a tremendous weekend, and uh, don't don't work too hard. I, I know it can get a little crazy.
1: <laughs> um, it's almost impossible <laughs> to <laughs> fulfill your request. <laughs> All right. You guys have a
0: great weekend. Thank
1: you. Thank, Thank you, Richard. You Thank you for having you on. us It was a pleasure, no worries. Richard. Uh, looking you forward bet. to seeing you.
0: All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.